This week's episode of To The Top Talk is brought to you by CollegeSportsUnfiltered.com Talking Southern Miss athletics with some pretty knowledgeable Southern Miss fans. Great place to go, unvarnished, unfiltered. You won't have to sift through the propaganda. Southern Miss fans, check it out. CollegeSportsUnfiltered.com Hey, it's Frank Caliendo, and I'll be back in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Yes, Miss- I should have fixed this. Hattiesburg, Mississippi, uh, for the fourth annual Last for Life comedic event. Mississippi, of course, home of Morgan Freeman and Brett Favre. August 2nd, might have said that already, and we'll see you there. Hakuna Potato. You are listening to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington. Thank you, Jamesy. And Jason Bailey. Bump is uh, pretty good. But the reality is... They don't know, man! I've been looking forward to To The Top Talk. You know, I have that with myself every night. Every day, anything we do is Southern Miss to the top. What's going on? What's happening? How you guys doing? Welcome to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington and Jason Bailey. Here with your break from all of the High Resource 5 propaganda in the mainstream sports media to talk about the University of Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles. We are here. It is the 2019-2020 school year as of right now. Not a lot to report on, but we have an excellent guest on the show for you guys today. Before we get to that, i got to tell you about the big event we've got coming up. Laughs for Life 2019 at the Sanger Theater in Hattiesburg on Friday, August the 2nd. Our headliner for the 4th Annual Laughs for Life, Frank Caliendo. You may have seen him on ESPN, Fox NFL Sunday, and the like. Mad TV. It's going to be an amazing show. Also, Keith Alberstadt, great comic as well. All proceeds from this year's event are going to our beneficiaries of the International Myeloma Foundation, the Forest General Cancer Center, and for the first time, we are partnering with the Children of Mississippi. It's going to be an amazing show here in the Hub City. Tickets going anywhere from 35 to 60 bucks. Some very, very affordable seats still available. Come out. It's going to be an amazing time here in Hattiesburg. All right. Like I said, not much going on right now, not much to talk about, but we have an incredible guest for you guys today. One of the best football players in Southern Miss history. He was the first Golden Eagle to win the Connerly Trophy. Went on to a pro football career with the Vikings. Uh, I, I got to see him down in the Arena Bowl in New Orleans about 12 years ago, I think. <laughs> and now he's a coach. I mean, fan favorite. One of the best to ever serve in the Southern Miss linebacking core, and that says a lot. So please welcome Jason and our guest today, Rod Davis. Alrighty, on the line now. Uh, this guy uh, went to Gulfport High School, played at Southern Miss from 2000 to 2003. He's the all-time leading tackler in USM history, former NFLer, Arena Bowl champion, Connerly Trophy award winner, Playboy All-American, spent several years in the CFL, really largely regarded as the best linebacker in Southern Miss history. Welcome to the line, Rod Davis. Rod, what's up? Uh, nothing much. Thanks for having me, man. It's just a blessing to be on and a blessing to be here talking to you today. Oh, man, you you really have no idea what this what, what an honor it is for me personally. I graduated in 2001, 
So um, you, it was it was kind of right in the middle of your career. Of course, it's not like I stopped going to the games. In fact, I live like seven tenths of a mile away from where I tailgate. <laughs> so um, uh, okay. you, yeah, so you guys had a huge impact on me. And um, you know, again, just thanks for coming on the line. Having having guys like you is kind of the reason that we do this. I mean, the fans want to want to listen to what you have to say. And honestly, I want to ask you some questions. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Great to do it, man. Uh, anyway, I can you know, get some insight and, and, and help you guys out and you vice versa. So great, great to be on. Excellent. So you grew up in Gulfport, right? Yes. Okay. So let's, let's start right there. Um, talk about your time at Gulfport high school and, and when maybe you thought that football just might be your thing. <laughs> I guess a funny story, you know, I guess it's a funny story, but growing up, I uh, went well, high school, I'd say. In high school, I thought I was a basketball player. You know, I really didn't think uh, I was a football player. And I'll tell you, my senior year, well, my 10th grade year, I started off at cornerback. I was small. I, I weighed probably 160 pounds, 155 pounds. My 11th grade year, I started at safety. I got a little bigger, 10, 15 pounds. Well, here comes my senior year, and uh, a linebacker gets hurt. And the coach came to me and said, well, you're one of our biggest hitters. You know, we want to move you down to play linebacker. I'm like, man, I don't know about linebacker, coach. <laughs> you know, uh, those, you know, I got to deal with those 270-pound, 300-pound offensive linemen. So I was like, I, I, so I tried it. I didn't like it. And uh, after practice, I was like, coach, I don't know about this move. And actually, I, I, I don't even know how badly I want to play football anymore as I have to play linebacker. So, you know, uh, so then I went to my basketball coach. I said, uh, Coach Brian Caldwell, which is a USM alumni himself. I said, uh, Coach, you know, uh, I don't think football working out. This is my senior year now. I don't think football working out. I'm here for you full time. He sat me down. He said, Rod, if you want a shot to play at the next level, football is your only ticket. Hmm. And I looked at him, I said, well, coach, man, that ain't what I wanted to hear. But uh, <laughs> it was probably the best advice that anybody gave me to this day. So, you know, make a long story short, I went back out there, played, uh, uh, went back to the, went back to playing linebacker, went to play linebacker. And uh, Coach Steve Buckley, he was my recruiting coach. And he came down, he seen me, he seen me hit, and he told them to put me in a, uh, at, at that time, we was allowed to do Oklahoma drills. And uh, and when I say Oklahoma was one of my best years, I knocked the club pop about a out of a kid, and from there Southern Miss offered me on the spot. Hey, so for people that don't know, go, run through that Oklahoma drill real quick. <laughs> but it's a guy, it's a guy standing about, it's two guys standing about ten yards apart, ten to ten yards apart, mm-hmm. and it's uh, offensive lineman and defensive lineman. And it's in the team make a tunnel. You can either do it with dummies or bodies. And the offensive guy's job is to run through the defensive guy. And the defensive guy's job is to run through the offensive guy. And it's just man on man. It, it, it's something, you know, I talk to, you know, kids and parents all the time about the new rules and different stuff. It's something I'm glad they changed because, you know, looking back on that, man, that's, it was crazy how we played football back in the day. <laughs> You know, but uh, safety is more important than seeing who's tough. Absolutely. Well, uh, you mentioned Coach Buckley there uh, and part of your recruiting, but 
I, I don't really remember what recruiting, as far as when you were coming out of high school, what what was recruiting like? What, um, what were the uh, what were some of the other universities that recruited you uh, maybe the hardest? Uh, it was different. Uh, you know, we didn't have all these ratings, how they got it now. Uh, it was more of, you know, recruiting now is much about hype. It's much about, you know, social media is just taking over the world. So sometimes, you know, these college coaches come in and, you know, you know, kind of ask about the hype kids, the seven on seven kids, the kids who good at camps and different stuff. Well, back then, the coach came in and asked the high school football coach, coach, show me your players and show me some film on them. And they sat there in that film room and watched them together, and then they decided they liked it or not. Well, you know, back then, Mississippi State was recruiting me, but then they stopped recruiting me because they actually wanted me to stop playing basketball, which was my I thought my favorite, my best sport. And uh, then it was Tulane. And, you know, I never – you know what's crazy? I never got a look or offer or a phone call from Ole Miss. And probably to this day, that's probably why I probably least I like I like them the least out of all the state schools. You know, it wasn't that you know, it was kind of more of a respect thing. Well, I'm not good enough for you to even give me a call. You know, not a letter or anything. But uh, so throughout the whole process, Southern Miss stayed on me. Tulane kind of twisted the other way, and I really didn't didn't think I wanted to go to in stay in New Orleans. And uh, stayed at the last, I'll never forget, stayed at the last week. They came in hard. And, uh, you know, they forgot about me, but they came in hard. And all I felt like was that now all the kids that they wanted backed out and Southern Miss stayed with me throughout the whole process mm. and wanted me the whole way. And that meant a lot to me. And, you know, being the first, they were the first one to offer me. And throughout the whole process, they stayed there, stayed on me. Coach Buckley called me. Coach uh, Coach Bauer called me all the time. You know, we didn't have text messages and different stuff back then, but that meant a lot to me because I was like, man, these guys really like me, and uh, I'm going to show you my loyalty when I committed to them, even though when Mississippi State came rushing out at the end and trying to get me, I'm committed to you because you committed to me. And uh, and I think the bond started from there. That is uh, that's good stuff, man, and and – you know, a lot of the it seems like it kind of goes that way quite a bit, even with recruiting these days. As far as USM getting in there, you know, first and foremost. But um, so so while you're at Southern Miss, um, you pretty much walked into playing time right away and started making an impact on the field uh, your freshman year. Talk a little bit about that transition from from high school to the uh, Division One level. Uh, it was uh, it was a uh, I say this it was, the process was hard, but, you know, being under a group of learning from TJ, Adele Thomas, Todd Pinkston, and just living up to that tradition made us come in, especially my group, come in and be hungry. And then it, it, we came in with, a, uh, I guess, an ideal of not letting the Southern Miss alarm down, the tradition down. So we worked our tail off extremely hard. You know, uh, I tell anybody the biggest jump, and, and going up to, through the levels and even in the levels of college football, it's the offensive and defensive line. You know, uh, when you're playing in high school, you might face a couple of 300 pounders, but those 300 pounders probably run in seven flats. But when you get to D1, those guys are moving pretty good. They're moving just as well as you come over, <laughs> you know, and, and that was a big change for me because, you know, in high school, I just run around. 
I just ran around them, but, you know, got to college. Now I got to take on block. And uh, I remember Tyron, Coach Tyrone Nick say, hey, man, we ain't playing high school football no more. You got to take on that block, <laughs> you know what I mean, uh, down the middle. And I'm like, man, I don't know. You know, I'm built for this. But, uh, you know, I just kept looking at those guys. I had a year to grow up, and that was my red shirt year, looking at TJ and seeing how uh, he attacked the game, seeing how his work ethic was in practice. So I think – you know, coming up, I came at the right time because I got to see Southern Miss great, you know what I'm saying, work hard and 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 and, and, and put in the work and effort and what it took to win and to uh, live up to the tradition at Southern Miss. Sure. Um, so so you get on campus and, and after after you got acclimated and all that, um, did you set any goals for yourself personally or was this strictly a um, – uh, team-oriented uh, goals because, you know, as your career goes on, uh, you know, after your four years of playing, you end up leading, uh, being the leading tackler in USM history. Um, and we'll get to some of that a little bit later. But d- did you did you know you had that in you? Or um, was that a personal goal that you set forth? Uh, I can't say it was. My goal was I seen TJ. And my goal was, and the linebacker that was right before me, you're talking about T.J. Slaughter, Ty Trahan, Roy McGee, uh, Marchant Kennedy, right. you know, Darius Thomas, all these guys were linebackers. So my biggest goal was if I could be mentioned amongst one of the top linebackers that ever come out of Southern Miss, I'll feel pretty good about myself. So that was my goal, trying to be mentioned with those guys. So the numbers, the tackles, you know, that – that didn't really hit me until probably after my, you know, midway through my junior year. I started looking at it like, man, I, I might have a shot, <laughs> you know. But uh, coming in, that never was the thing. I wanted to be the, you know, mentioned once the top linebacker that ever played at Southern Miss because at that time, you know, I was calling Southern Miss linebacker you. Right. Because we just had just as good as linebackers that anybody in the country. So. And I was like, if I could be mentioned amongst those guys, I feel really, really good about myself. And then once the years start going on, and that was the freshman year, then here comes the sophomore, then the junior year. Now I look up, I'm saying my goal was to win the bucket. I want to not only be the best at Southern Miss, I want to be the best linebacker in the country. Sure. So, and... You know, and it just moved on from there. Well, you know, you you mentioned uh, looking up to guys like like Marchant and T.J. Slaughter and, and and all the rest, and it's kind of interesting. Uh, Jamie had an interview on this podcast with Gerald McGrath, and um, he kind of did the same thing. But he really he pointed to you, Sam, when he when he got to campus. Uh, he saw the he saw the billboard of the Playboy All American thing and said that you know this place really <laughs> re- really does defense, really uh, focuses on defense, and they pride themselves on it. And that's uh that's one of the reasons that he signed with Southern Miss. So. Yeah, it's just it's interesting to hear you talk about the guys before you, and it just kind of kept going. And now I'm not positive that this linebacker you thing has gone away. No, nope. I, I, I uh, we had a you know we won't go back too far in the past <laughs> few years ago. We had a few lumps in a row, but the uh, the defense is getting back. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's back, yes. and uh, the, and it starts at, at Southern Miss. It starts with their linebacker position. I know. We talk about, you know, you win games up front. Before Southern Miss go, you go into history of Southern Miss, it starts with the linebackers. 
You know what I mean? And we got guys that can run around and, and, and make plays. And that's why I'm excited for this year. Because, Absolutely. you know, talking to uh, uh, Coach Nicholson, Derek Nicholson, and Coach Hop, you know, what they tell me, how they describe the linebacker, they don't say, well, he's run this fast, he's this good, he's this good. They tell me, they say, Raw, he could play when y'all play. And that's all I need to hear. Wow. He could play when y'all play. And once once they tell me that about Booth, Latham, you know, guys like that, I mm-hmm. feel I feel very excited. And uh, you know, thrilled to 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 see them grow and see what's gonna transpire this year. So some of the uh numbers those guys might be looking at, um coming from that linebacker core and looking up to guys like you. Let me run you through some of these numbers. Uh just some highlights from your college career. 526 uh, career tackles. That's number one all time. 18 and a half sacks. 23 and a half tackles for loss in 2002 was most ever in a season at USM. 60 and a half tackles for loss, uh, most ever uh, in a in a uh, in a single season at USM. Um, five forced fumbles. That's actually shared with Michael Boley. Then unassisted tackles. Season 122 career 360. Both first all time at USM. I mean, you're just a tackling machine. Uh, what 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 made you such a great tackler? What was it? Was it part scheme? Was it part just a uh, a, a nose for the ball? Just uh, the football IQ? A, a combo of all those things? What what made you such a great tackler? Uh, I really do think it was a combination of uh, of all the things you said. Uh, the other thing that you uh, did mention was my teammate. Sure. I played, you know, you talk about my my last two years. I played with Edward Pruitt, Greg Brooks, Michael Bowley, Antoine Cash, uh, Terrell Paul. I played with all these guys, and we're just talking from the defensive side that had some stint in playing in the NFL. So I wanted to be the best on that team, and I felt like I was the leader of that team, so I worked my tail off. And I'll never forget, uh, Coach Tyrone Nick showed me uh, a video, uh, I mean, a practice of uh, the Baltimore Ravens. And it showed Ray Lewis at practice. Every snap, he touched the ball carrier. And I was like, I mean, Ray Lewis has my, been my idol since sure. I started playing football. And I was like, if he touched off at practice, not in the game, at practice, he touched off on the ball carrier. Because a lot of time in the NFL, uh, they don't tackle to the ground. And he touched off, meaning it could be a 30, 40-yard pass down the field. He ran his tail off to touch off on that ball carry. That made a mentality that every time the ball snapped, he needed to get to the ball. And I said, if Ray can do it, and that's what made him great, let me do it. Let me try to do it. I fell short uh, most of the time, but my mindset was I need to get to the ball every single play. And that's how I try to practice. And then in the game, you know, I look up at the end and see the stats or see the newspaper the next day. I was, oh, man, I had 19 tackles. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it really didn't feel like it just because I did what I did naturally because I did it in practice. And that's what we focused on at practice, you know, because I had Michael Bowling right beside me. You know, he was trying to catch, catch. you know what I'm saying? He's trying to say the word that he's the best linebacker at, at Southern Miss at the time. So it was always competition. You know what I mean? At practice and uh and uh and then that made the game easy. And I think that's what uh 
that's why I sort of miss, you know what I'm saying, especially back then it was so good because the practice was so intense, especially because you want to be better than the guy next to you. And y'all fall each other uh, tooth and nail each and every play. You know, and coming from a fan's perspective, I, I don't uh, – maybe the, the students these days or the kids these days don't really understand it, but I know back in the day, uh, back in your day and, and before, late 90s, we were almost – I don't even want to say almost. We, we were we were more excited, <laughs> you know, when the defense got on the field. I mean, I can't imagine what it's like if I was, uh, if I was a running back or a quarterback on the opposing team, especially with the rules in place uh, back then where just a whole lot more physicality was – was was just okay, you know, um, and, and was allowed. Uh, I can't imagine looking, you know, across that line and seeing Rod Davis and, and you know, and the like, uh, especially Rod Davis and Michael Bowley. I mean, that, that that's just something you don't want to stare down from the opposite side of the line. But, you know, a minute ago you mentioned Tyrone Nix. And I want to say, was he your defensive coordinator the whole time here or was Womack here? Yeah. Yeah, Coach Womack was there my uh my red shirt freshman year. Okay. And then Coach Nix was uh there the, the my last three. So th- this, you know, you hear a lot these days about offensive schemes. Well back then it was these defensive schemes. And it kind of started with John Thompson before that and bled over to Tyrone Nix. Um talk about that defensive scheme real quick. I mean, it was a joy to watch. Uh, it was so confusing to the offense. Um what was it about what you guys did? Um Outside of being uber athletic, what was it about the scheme really that that allowed it to be so successful? I, I think uh, the scheme was like before its time, and you know you see a lot of teams running stuff similar to now, but it just put a bunch of guys that you know we we wasn't the biggest, so we know we couldn't go into Nebraska and Alabama and just line up in front of three hundred pounders and just you know go straight ahead. So we had to come with different pressure uh, uh, packages and put more athletes and uh, linebackers on the field. You know, uh, and that's why, you know, you had uh, Darius Thomas, you know, uh, true, really, you know, people may look at a DN, but he was an outside linebacker. And uh, it was just a scheme, I think, ahead of his time. Each week we came in with a, a different game plan, and that's what kept, uh, I think, opponents on their heels because – a person like AD could one time put his hand on the ground and then the next time drop back. And that's confusing. You know what I mean? It was mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, you got a Von Miller or a Clay Matthews type of guy. One play, he got his hand in the dirt. The next play, he dropping 15 yards down the field. And that comes confusing from a quarterback perspective and an offensive coordinator. So I just thought the uh, defense through uh, Thompson and, and Womack and, uh, Tyrone Nix was ahead of his time and because each week it made I say this when we got there on uh Monday I was excited to see what type of pressure package we had for this coming up week you know it was the ball package was it the Bama press package because we always named it whoever the team that we're playing so we play Tennessee balls we'll have a ball package we play Alabama we'll have a, a Crimson or Bama package so it, it was pretty cool you know each week to go to practice and know that uh, your defensive coach is going to come up with a scheme that's going to make you successful and have fun. That is definitely awesome. Um, so we talked about Coach Nix. Uh, of course, the head coach while you were here, um, Jeff Bauer, a man that is held in pretty much the highest regard by Southern Miss fans and probably college football fans in general. Um, what, what was uh, what was it like with uh, with Coach Bauer? 
Oh man, uh, Bob was like a, a you know, Edgar Father, a, a real true other figure to me. He helped me out. Him and Coach Tyrone Nick's both. You know what I mean? I I, I would say they were one A and 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 one B for my lifetime because you know I I left Gulfport and you know and I really didn't know you know a lot of things. I kind of got in a little trouble early my freshman year just because I was immature and they took me to the side and, and, and tried to lead, lead me in the right direction, asked me what I wanted to do with my life and, 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 and do things the right way. And so I grew up quick, and, and, I, and I owe that a lot to Coach Bauer and Coach Tyrone Nick because uh, they helped me out a whole lot. And uh, words can't, I guess, give my gratification to how much they did for me, you know, just for just helping me grow not only as a football player and as a man. And that's what I try to tell uh, the coaches that I have, you know, uh, if we can make these kids a, a better young man, he's going to become a better football player. But that don't work vice versa. If he become a good football player, that don't make him a good young man. So I think if we do make him, a, you know, develop him into a, a good young man, I think he'll become a good football player. And that's, that's what they did for me. Good and stuff. I'm going to get back to something you said uh, about, you know, looking at bowling uh and, and myself, man, you know, we'll go to the conference, media conference, and all the other guys, you know, we'll play the Moelle Moore, that Tulane, and all these other schools, South Florida, and all they talk about was our fans. It was like, man, I hate playing. They, they didn't necessarily say they hate playing us. They hated to come and play in that, in that <laughs> environment with those, because, you know, that student section sat right on top of their bench. And, Absolutely. You know, they said they'll be pouring stuff, you know, <laughs> drinks, everything all on their head while they're trying to end the meetings, you know, yelling at them, talking smack. But uh, that was a thrill, man. I, I used to love to come out on Thursday when we played on thir- games on Thursday nights. And, uh, you know, I don't even catch kicks, but I just used to love getting involved with the stand just to see that environment hour, hour and a half before the game. And the student section is packed. You know, it, it wasn't nothing like that as a as a player to see that the fire and the emotion comes from from the stadium. That just made made the playing the game very easy, man. So I'm hoping that you know, you know, from here on out, we can give these players the same the same uh, the same feeling because it's nothing like coming out in that rock pack and it's rock and rolling. Well, and I was gonna get to this a little bit later, but since you kind of went ahead and brought it up. Um, you were a part of that TCU game in, in 2003. Um, and I mean, I get goosebumps just thinking about it, just hearing you, uh, talk about looking at the fans there. But I mean, T- for, for those that maybe don't understand or don't know what the TCU game was, TCU was undefeated. It was a Thursday night ESPN game, I think. Uh, TCU with a win, they get into a BCS bowl. Uh, it's a game that yeah. will forever go down as one of the best in USM history. I mean, you know, I was in this, I was in the student section over there. I remember rushing the field. I remember, you know, the goalposts coming crashing down, actually landing on one of my buddies. It didn't matter. We picked it up and took off running. T- talk about what, what do you remember about that, about that game? Maybe about that day. Oh man, I remember coming out and, uh, the rock was electric and I was like, man, this is, this is the biggest game that, 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 like you said, in Southern Miss history. And I thought at, on, at Southern Miss, you know, with the opportunity to knock off this team. And I can just remember, I, 
forget. I can remember. We jumped up on them. You know, I can't remember the score, but we was up a few scores. Mm -hmm. And uh, I want to say it got to be something happened. I can't remember. It may have been a turnover. And I said, man, I looked at Michael Bowley and all the guys, and I said, man, our offense done scored enough. Now it's on us. They should not have to score again because TCU at the end started making a little rally. I think they got an onside kick. Yeah, maybe two of them. They did – you know, and they start getting it rattled. But then I said, man, this is on us. And this is what we play for. This is what we play for. You know what I mean? All year the defense relied – I mean, uh, Southern Miss relied on the defense. And now we up enough points. We got 40 on the board. There's no way in heck that uh, we finna let this team get away. And uh, I just remember, you know, uh, watching and, and I was talking and uh, and I seen that goalpost fail. Wow. First, I felt the rush of the thing. You know, you always see that on TV. Uh-huh. Just to experience, you know, the rush and, and, and people coming up, hugging you, high-fiving, and then next, you know, that goalpost falling like, oh, my God, this is happening. <laughs> it was a real moment. It was a real moment, man, and one of those ones I won't forget. Won't forget for the rest of my life, man. It, it, it was wonderful, you know, to enjoy that, not only with my teammates, but with the fans and, and the whole Hattiesburg that night. Yeah, well, I'm I'm right there with you, man. I, it's uh, it's one of those deals where I remember who I was standing next to. I remember when they made the announcement over the over the uh, the sound system um, to for the for the for the students or the fans to not rush the field. And honestly, I don't think any of us had even thought about rushing it until that point. And so when they kind of gave us the idea, there's like two security guards sitting in front of us, and we're like, "Well, good luck, partner." Um, yeah. so anyway, I mean, yes, that night at the rock was special. It was loud. Um, must've felt just fantastic as a player. Um, and, and it might be that game, but did you have a favorite game while you're in college? Uh, my favorite game is, uh, was probably was probably, I, I would say, because, you know, at this point, I really didn't know, you know, where I was at. It was my freshman year, a Damian Thompson, uh, GMAC bowl game that in 2000 uh, down in Mobile. It was freezing. Uh, the bowl game. <laughs> say that again? It was freezing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I ended up, you know, the Damian Thompson, because I always look at linebackers, I'm looking at linebacker, okay, linebacker go against running back. So I was like, this is my opportunity to see where I really am. And uh, I can remember, I, I think I ended up with like 14 tackles that game. And I still to this day say it was one of my best games. So I can remember looking at, uh, it was Sid Scott on the deep, Sid Scott, uh, John Nix, uh, DeQuincy Scott, and uh, Darrell Stewart. And uh, – we call a defense, and it pretty much put all those four guys out and it's to make the running back funnel in to me in the inside. And uh, I missed LT the first time. I mean, I missed him bad. And I remember we called a timeout after that, and those guys looked into Like, they looked down my soul and like, man, that would not happen again. And I kind of like a little boy, yes, sir, it won't. It won't. And you know what I mean? And from then on, 
You know, I mean, I, I, I mean that. Once they said that, and they said, "Come on, Raw, we got you." That kind of it was kind of like my dad is, you know, uh, I guess strengthening me and then giving me confidence at the same time. And that's how I felt. And after that, man, I think I had my one of my best games ever. Sure. You know, it, it didn't matter where LT went. It, it was just fun. And uh, so I, I would put that game up there because it also going against uh, LT. And if you can remember, TCU back in that time in my era, we were always fighting with them with the, who has the best defense. So right. they always used to have linebackers over there. I think they had LaMarcus McDonald when I played. So we always competed. So TCU was always one of those rivals to me just because defensively they thought they were better than I were, than we were. So. Well, and you, not, not long after that, uh, you, you got to go back to Mobile. Um, you were a participant in the uh, Senior Bowl. Um, talk about that experience a little bit. And, you know, after that, we'll get into your NFL career for a little bit, but you, you go back to Mobile and, and what's it like at that senior bowl? Who, who was your coach? Uh, my coach was, uh, Schottenheimer. Uh, oh, cool. From, uh, used to coach at, uh, he was coaching at San Diego. He was mm-hmm. San Diego Chargers. Right. And I can remember, you know, one crazy thing I remember him telling us was like, he was like, hey guys, you know, just keep working hard. Don't worry about where you land. You know, where you get drafted, just keep working. He was like, because we got a guy that nobody heard of that's on our team. He was undrafted. I think he want to say he was undrafted and we picked him up. And, uh, he said, but next year and from on in, everybody's going to work, going to know his name. And we're like, okay. And then he said who his name was. He said Antonio Gates. Mm. And you know what what's crazy, like like you said, I I didn't know who we were, but he said from then on in, he said, so don't matter. He was just telling guys to, you know, you get to those things and you're so nervous where I'm gonna get drafted, where I'm projected, where this and where that. You kind of don't have fun anymore. He was just trying to relax us and say, man, don't worry, just continue to work and continue to do things the right way, and things gonna work out for you. And he was just telling me, so. But, you know, other than that, man, that thing, just like the combine, it's kind of like a meat market. You know, you go up there, especially the first one you get there, you walk on stage with no shirt on and just shorts. And, <laughs> you know, you spin around like you're a, a, a model and, and stuff like that. And, you know, once that's over with, it becomes football. Yeah. But, you know, it's it, it's nervous. You know, you, you see coaches that you've seen all your life. Belichick walking in the same hotel, you know, oh man, that's, you know, he might want to interview with you and, you know, you leave the interview and you don't know if you did good or not. And that was the crazy thing. You know, uh, you're like, I don't know that if that interview went good. You know, you, you answer the question honestly, but you leave there not knowing, you know, so it, it was, it was, uh, very, I guess, uncomfortable. But the thing was where I got comfortable, comfortable with is that everybody had to do it. So. I look around, I'm like, shoot, it's not in like anybody else cheating away. So, you know, uh, it was pretty good. You know what I mean? I thought I had a, a really good, uh, senior bowl, uh, practice, uh, but it is what it is. So fifth round draft pick in, uh, 2004 by the Minnesota Vikings, um, ended up played with the, actually had a couple of different stints with the Vikings, um, spent some time with the Carolina Panthers, 
Um, as far as your NFL experience, then, you know, you played in the Arena League, actually won the Arena Bowl uh, that I believe was played in New Orleans that year um, for the Philadelphia yeah. Soul. Philadelphia Soul, I don't know about them, but I think it was the the Jaws, uh, Ron Jaworski and Bon Jovi, were they, were they still owners of the team yeah. then? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did Jaws come down to the yeah. sideline a lot? Man, Jaws was at if we had if I say this if we had ten practices, Jaws was at six or seven of them. He was always <laughs> around. Right. He was always around, man. A uh, good guy. He invited us over several times to uh, eat and cook out at his house. So man, cool. Great guy. You, you know. Uh, you know. Then Bon Jovi. I mean, it was a great setup. I, I tell anybody that was. Forest Plain, that was one of the fun, fun, not on, I, I take, I guess, listen to me, not on the field, but off the field, just for as a group of guys, that's the best time I had in my professional career. You know, not on the field because for a linebacker, arena ball really sucks, man, because the field's so small, you, <laughs> you, you're restricted on your movement, you can sure. only be five yards from the line of scrimmage. But far as everything else, man, it was great. Uh, uh, Bon Jovi, uh, he charted us, uh, to one of his concerts at Madison Square Garden before, you know, I, I never, you know, heard of Bon Jovi. Well, I knew a Bon Jovi song before in my life. Sure. And, you know, I've been a lot of concerts, you know, soul, R&B, rap and different stuff. That was the best concert I ever been to. And huh. I didn't know one song. Because the atmosphere, you know, a lot of people just, you know, think it's a lot to do with the atmosphere. I never seen, you know, a, a group, you know, I've seen kids from, you know, 15 to 80 years and older women to 80 years old at one concert at one time. So right. it, it was a great experience, man. And uh we had a good time. And, you know, uh and I remember at Madison Square Garden sitting in the green room saying, Man, I I could never live in uh in uh New York. Man, I look outside and people look like they running they're running fifty miles an hour. You know, it's nonstop. It's no social talking. It's just moving. And I said, man, this this city too fast for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too, me too, brother. Um, well, uh, you know, outside of the arena league, you, you spent some time in Canada as well, playing in the uh, CFL. Yeah. Uh, you played with the uh, Edmonton Eskimos, Montreal Alouettes, Calgary Stampeders. Is I mean, and you kind of addressed it a minute ago with the with the rules in arena uh, as far as linebackers go. But is football football? I mean, I know there are a lot of different rules: NFL, college, CFL, arena. Is football football, or did you have to make huge adjustments every every stop along the way? Um, yeah, it, it was adjustment because uh, I went from. You know, I guess playing on a hundred yard field, fifty three wide, all my life to arena where it's thirty yards wide and only sixty yards long, and then go to Canada, the field is like a hundred and twenty and sixty five wide. Wow! So the 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 biggest jump was uh, doing the the Canadian thing. It. it, it it was hard because you can have four or five guys in motion at the same time. They're running to the line of scrimmage. Like I got a, you got to guard a running back that has a full head of steam running from ten yards, and uh, and you got to guard that guy. 
and you know they call illegal contact after five. So man, it was pretty, it was pretty rough. It took me over half a season in my first year to get get adjusted. Probably even longer. It probably took me the whole year to really understand. I still don't know all the rules, you know, <laughs> because you know I was in the game one time. Our our uh, our field goal kicker kicked the field goal. He missed it. They had they uh, they guy called it. He punted it back. I still go kick the guy again. He punted it back, and it went punt, punt back and forth. And then finally, it punted out the end zone, and we got two points. So I don't know, one point. I don't, man, I don't know what just happened. I don't either. Uh, I'm gonna have but, to go. I'm gonna. I wish I had that on video. <laughs> yeah, it's it, you know they show them. It seems like a CFL game come on every Friday or Saturday now. So they got them, got them on, and I promise you probably see one like that. It just. You know, uh, so it was an adjustment, but I say this, you know, my playing career time, that was the best time, you know, for me on the field with everything involved, me playing and just being relaxed. Because, you know, when I go, used to go to a lot of schools and talk to the little kids and, you know, do these different camps, they were like, oh man, you played in the NFL. That has to be great. Well, that has to be, that's great for a paid manager. Uh, you know, Michael Vick, uh, Drew Brees, but for that guy that's on between that 40, 40, 40, uh, player and 53, I mean, life, life is, is pretty stressful. And each day, you know, I, some days I didn't know if I had a bad day or a bad game that I'd be released. And, you know, and, and, and you know, unlike basketball and baseball, Football contracts are not guaranteed. Well, they some are now, but it was different back when I played. So, you know, every day it, it was stressful. Uh, and I remember when I was in the NFL, I, I said it don't matter what I do for the rest of my life, whatever my job would be, I would ne- not let my job have this much stress on me because it, it, it really did, man. So, you know, it was a blessing. I'm not, you know, bringing the, playing the NFL down. But it was a stressful thing because at one moment, you know, what I mean, it, it, you know, one, it, it felt like one bad game, one bad week of practice, it can all be taken away. So, uh, but got to the CFL, man, became an all star. You know, it, it was great. You know what I mean? The fans was great. You know what I mean? I was just in Canada where you didn't know what the weather was. We started June. It, my first week there, it snowed in June. So I was like, I didn't know what I got myself into. <laughs> But uh, sure, it, it 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 was good. It was good. Uh, you know, uh, had a good time up there. You know, the season runs from about July to right before uh, right before Thanksgiving. So you wasn't up there the cold cold months. So uh, it was a good time, man. I had a good time. You know, yeah, got cool. to see another country and, and stuff like that. So you know, from for a kid coming from Mississippi, be able to say that you know I've been in Nova Scotia. And you know, over there, you know, uh, you know, all the way to Vancouver to Toronto, you know, uh, that's a, a, a accomplish in itself. So, you know, uh, I'm just thankful for where I've been and, and 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 where I'm headed. So, no doubt, football definitely kind of took you a long way. Um, and I'm not sure if you did anything after your playing career, but I know that uh, nowadays people call you coach. Um, you coached at Northwest Rankin, which is my old stomping grounds, um, and now are the head coach at uh, Florence High School. So, 
Well, did uh, was was coaching always in your future? Um, did you uh, did you see yourself becoming a head coach? Uh, really, um, kind of as early in your coaching career as, as you've done it. Uh, I answered the first question. Uh, I didn't see coaching in my in my a problem until I was in the CFL. And I'll never forget in the off season, uh, my wife's cousin asked me if I would coach her son basketball, 11, 12 year old basketball team. And, uh, and the night before the game, I couldn't sleep. And then the day of the game, I'm just, I'm just as nervous. I mean, my stomach and not. And I told my wife then, I said, man, this is what I want to do coaching. I said, because I don't even get this this amped up about playing anymore because I'm like, okay, it's a job. I got to do this, do that. So I said, man, it's, you know, I feel like I'm back at Southern Miss. And that's the one thing that, you know, I tell anybody, you know, like, man, it was like, man, you was in the NFL. I said, man, I will go back to Southern Miss before I go back to Minnesota, before I go back to Canada, before I go back to the Arena Bowl. Because it was just the art of it just being pure. And it wasn't about you know, if I don't miss this tackle, then I'm lose my scholarship or I get cut. It's just about an atmosphere where, you know what I'm saying, you can just be yourself and, and, and be who you are. Didn't have to worry about, you know, uh, how well did you play as long as you just gave your great effort, man. So I, I will go back to that in, in, in the nick of time. You know, it's very interesting. Yeah, it's it's very. I didn't mean to cut you off, but it's very interesting to hear you say that. We've uh, had interviews with with uh, former USM baseball players that went on to professional ball and and um, in other sports, and they all kind of kind of echo what you said that you know they go back to Sutter Miss in a heartbeat because once you get to the pros, it's different. It's just different. It's You're different. not really uh, like brothers it, in arms anymore. You're uh. You're playing for yourself. You're playing for your livelihood, and you're a grown man. You know, you're not really a kid anymore. You're still playing a kid's sport. So, very, uh, very interesting to hear you hear you put it that way. Hey, it's 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 different. Like I get, uh, it's my second year in the league, and I'm at Minnesota, and uh, it's a guy. You know, we kind of compete. He's a linebacker. I'm a linebacker, and uh, and he hurts his MCL. And uh, and I was like, you know, and I'm in a rocky situation because he's trying to take my job, mm-hmm. and we're roommates. So you know, in, in a certain part, you being roommates in training camp, you kind of create a kind of a, a bond. But how is that bond? Because at the end of the day, he's going to have a job, or I'm going to have a job. So it's it, it's a crazy narrative. So I remember heard into MCL, and uh, I was like. I didn't know what, what to tell him because I was like, if he plays, you know, because I was like, if I tell him he should not play until he's healthy, he's going to think, well, you know, I just don't want him to take my job. But I knew, you know, if he plays, you know, they have the opportunity to try to cut him or something like that. And I'm like, if, if, if you're hurt, they can't cut you while you're hurt. And i never forget, and this is why I'm always pro player and not organization. We were playing the Oakland Raiders in the preseason game. And uh, he came in. He said, man, I'm going to play. I said, all right, man, okay, man, good luck. Go out there, do your thing. So he warms up. They do not put him in the game. <laughs> After the game, they cut him. 
the reason why they could cut him because they had him on film warming up in, in 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 the uniform. So if he was warming up, if he would try to come back and sue, they was like, nah, he was able to play. But if he would have sat out, if he would have sat out MCA to MCL and other, uh, another slight tag, those are like, I want to say, three to five week injury. I remember it was three to five weeks. And if they were to cut you and you're injured, they would have to give you, let's say, five game checks. So they saved themselves five game checks. And that's why I say, man, the NFL is, is so ruthless and it's so much a business that it's, you know, when I see guys, you know, either holding out or doing this different stuff like that, man, try to get that money because I, I don't seen that organization. I've seen teams do, do people so badly hmm. for five game weeks. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know what I mean, they got him on tape. You know what I mean, doing it. So I, I done seen – I got so many stories like that. You know, uh, I remember a quarterback, you know, uh, he was uh, – all right. In high rehab works. Everything is technical. Everything is written up good. In rehab, if you're rehabbing, you have no jersey on. You just have a T-shirt, a Minnesota like shirt, or some shorts or whatever it is. Uh, but if you're practicing, a practice player has a jersey on. Well, they tell him to go, you know, put his jersey on. So him to throw some balls. So then, you know, they cut him also a couple of days later, and he was like, he tried to do an injury settlement, and they had him on film throwing. And that was their case. It was like in the writing, a jersey constitute as practice. So they didn't have to pay him a settlement. So, man, it just – I got stories at the store. So that's why, man, it, that, that NFL, it was great. You know what I mean? The experience that, that I was, but why I was there, man, it was ruthless. Yeah. No. Yeah. That is definitely just an interesting, uh, dynamic of the program. And Hey, it's a business, you know, it, it's a business yeah, and, um, it, it is. and there's jockeying on both sides, but that's just, it's a very interesting perspective uh, coming from a former player. Um, so back to your coaching, um, do your players – I mean, it was a while back, right, that you played. Do your players yeah. know who Rod Davis is? Um, not to put you in a third person there, but do they know how good you were? Do they um, do they, do they remember you playing? I, mean, I bet their parents remember uh, you playing. Maybe not them, but their parents yeah, probably do. Yeah, <laughs> the parents do. Uh, and the thing about it, only video, you know, because I don't, I'm not going to show them in there. I'm not going to – he going to watch my video and stuff like this. Right. The only video YouTube they got is me of when I was playing in Canada. And, uh, you know, they YouTube Rod Davis, and I got a hit. I got fined for hitting the hammer, the hammer to a quarterback. And they always come, hey, Coach Davis, is this you? Is this you? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's the, that's the wrong way how to tackle a quarterback because they actually <laughs> tried to suspend me for a game because it, it was a, it was hammer to hammer. You have to pull it up one, one day we had time. We'll it's do on YouTube, but, uh, but yeah, so the, the parents do, but the players don't, uh, it's just, they hear the score. They, you know, hear the things, you know, they go down to Southern Miss and, you know, they'll take a picture. Coach Davis, I see you hanging up on Eagle Walk and, and stuff like that. So I guess you were pretty good. So, you know, they, they, they just hear the story. They don't know. They've never seen me play or nothing like that. But, uh, but yes, and that, and that's how I got into coaching back to what I, I guess I got off the subject. 
But uh, I enjoyed that for the 11 and 12 basketball, and I went on. And once I said it, I set out a, a, a five-year plan, a five-year goal to be a head coach. And I said, uh, and it worked out. My fifth year now, I'm a head coach. I was at Northwest Ranking, which is a, like you went there, which is a great school. But uh, my growth, I, I'm, a, I'm a person that's always looking for the next goal, the next, the next stepping stone. And I thought I reached my limit at, at, at Northwest. It wasn't no higher that I can go. I thought I, I got as much out of the kids as I possibly can. And, you know, now I'm on with a new challenge at Florence. And uh, I can't thank uh, uh, Mr. Martin, the principal, and uh, Mr. Reed, the assistant principal, for giving me a shot, Ms. Clark. So uh, we're on the good things, man. Uh, we're we moving up in the right direction. That's why I say both Golden Eagles and, and, and Florence Eagles, we're preparing to have a, a heck of a year. And uh, the kids working hard, the coaches – in here getting it done in the summertime and it's an exciting time to be be an eagle and uh we're going to leave it all on the field we're going to play the right way we're going to lead by example and uh we're going to give it all each and every day and each and every play well so i know that this year you know you're looking at florence and and uh and doing as good as you can there um but you mentioned the five-year plan earlier uh, is there any other plans in the horizon? I mean, is there any aspirations of moving up to the next level? Uh, I mean, well, you, you might not want to go no, there with maybe your kids listening, but we can talk down the road. We can talk, you know, once maybe you've accomplished what you want to accomplish at Florence, maybe, you know, dipping your toe in the in the waters of, of college football. Yeah, I, I don't mind because, you know, I, I tell – you know, my own kids and even my players, like I still call them my kids that I'm going to be as transparent as, as, as possible. And, and that's just who I am. Yes. Uh, and, but that's not, that's way down the road. I told my wife, you know, my adventure goal, once my kid, my own little boys, which is my youngest will be in the sixth grade. That's when that admiration, I start thinking about making that move. But before then, I want the enjoyment of watching my kids play high school ball. So, you know what I mean? As a, sure. to, to move up, you won't be that, that'll put a limit on that. But, uh, because, you know, you got to travel with the team in, in, in the college, but I, I want the enjoyment of watching my boys uh, play ball, you know, and I, and I take it back to Tyrone Nix and he always told me this. He was like, Rod, I, I missed that. And, you know, that's why he was so thankful. I think his son was at middle Tennessee with him for one year. But he didn't get to see little Ty play a lot of football in high school just because he was a college coach. And I don't want to miss those days because, you know, uh, sacrifice all, uh, already my family has made a lot of sacrifice for me from playing in Minnesota to Charlotte to uh, Philadelphia to Edmonton to Calgary to Montreal. So they made sacrifice for me. So it's, you know, my only thing to, to, to sacrifice and hold that off until, uh, to, to their out of high school themselves. Sure, man. There is nothing better than, than being a dad. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's the best thing ever. Didn't think I ever wanted to do it. Finally did it kind of late in life, but, uh, it's, it's the best thing of all time. Um, the well, greatest man. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, man, I tell you what, we have, we have blabbed on long enough. You have just absolutely crushed it. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, I'd be remiss uh, if I didn't mention at least that, that you were inducted into the M Club Hall of Fame at Southern Miss in 2015. Um, you're a guy that so yeah. many fans remember well and a great representative of Southern Miss. Um, thank you so much, Rod, and, and I look forward to seeing you out at a, out at a tailgate this year.
Yes, sir. Thank you. And Southern Miss to the top. To the top. That was Rod Davis. One of the best episodes I think we've had. That was an excellent interview. And I really thank Rod for coming on the show and Jason for making it happen. You guys be sure you follow Rod on Twitter at RodDavis24USM. At RodDavis24USM. You can follow us at To The Top Talk. You can follow me at Jamie underscore Arrington. Jason at Bumper J Bailey on Facebook and Instagram as well. Got to give a shout out to our friends at collegesportsunfiltered.com. Shout out to the men of Sigma Chi, the Theta Delta chapter. Shout out to the men of Pi Kappa Phi, the Theta Alpha chapter. Shout out to Drew Wick, slinging the graphics. And like I said uh, earlier in the show, Last for Life 2019 with Frank Caliendo. Tickets on sale now. That's Friday, August the 2nd at the Sanger Theater here in Hattiesburg. If you want to support the show, check us out, patreon.com slash to the top talk. Look for to the top talk on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Subscribe, give us a rating and review and whatnot. If you like the show, tell your friends. If you don't like the show, tell your friends. Folks, we are a month away from fall camp for football. We're two months away from football season. The the anticipation is starting to build. We're going to have some great guests on the show for you in the coming weeks. So be sure you look out for it. It's not going to be much longer. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And as always, Southern Miss to the top. Talk.